This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 130. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 130 of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I am the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development company based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go Steelers! And we are devoted to help you become the best leader that you can be. In this specific episode, you're going to get to hear me share the top lessons that I learned in 2016, so get ready for that. But before we do, I just want to uh, mention a few things to you. Number one is if you really want to take your growth to the next level, I really want to encourage you to get involved with L3 Leadership. Uh, The two best ways to do that right now are to either either come to one of our live events or join a mastermind group, which are small groups that are intended to help you grow and develop and are extremely intentional with helping you reach your goals. And you can get information on both of those at l3leadership.org, where you can also sign up for our email list and stay up to date with everything that we're doing to help you develop. If you're new to the podcast, uh, we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe to it, and you can expect to get three or four episodes every single month with a ton of great content. We do a leadership talk, we do um, an interview with a high-level leader, and then we also record all of our live event talks and put them on the podcast for you to listen to. So subscribe and get ready to grow. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I'd really appreciate if you would jump on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, and subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would be absolutely Absolutely awesome. And last, I want to thank our sponsor, Bab Inc. They're an insurance broker and they are excellent. And they are led by my friend, Russell Livingston, who is very passionate about developing next generation leaders. And if you have any insurance needs or want to connect with them, they're a great business. You can go to babins.com. That's BB, I'm sorry, that's B A B B I N S.com. Again, that's B A B B I N S.com. With that being said, let's just jump right into the talk. Here are the top lessons that I learned in 2016, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2017. I can't believe it is 2017 already. That's insane. I'm really excited about today's podcast. Uh, I get to share with you the top lessons that I learned in 2016. And if you're not, if you don't know, at the end of every year, I take the last week of the year and I spend many, many hours doing what I call a year-end review. And I take my journals, my calendar, uh, and anything else that has data about my year, and I basically create a 37-page report, is how long it was this year, of my year. You know, what were the lessons I learned? What were the highlights? Um, you know, did God teach me anything? Who are the people I connected with? All kind of different things that I keep track of. Um, I don't have time to teach the whole process, but I would encourage you to, to listen to episode number 13 of the L3 Leadership Podcast. You can actually listen to my step-by-step process of my year-end review, and I think that'll add a lot of value to your life. Um, but once I'm done with my report, I basically go through it and I say, okay, what were the top lessons that I learned that year? And then I pull them out and I record them on a podcast um, just like this for you. And so I hope that these will add value to your life. 2016 was a phenomenal year. All kind of great things happened. I learned so much. Um, But the biggest lessons I learned ended up falling under eight different categories. And I'll just quickly run you through the categories. And then I'm just going to run you through each category in this lesson and teach you what I learned. The categories that I learned the most about in 2016 were this. Number one, family. Number two, confidence. Number three, calling slash dream. Number four, business. Number five, leadership. Number six, dealing, dealing with people. Number seven, money. Number eight, enjoying life. 
And so those are the categories. That's what we're going to be covering. And uh, let's just jump right in. The first area, the category I learned the most about this year was family. And that should be no surprise. If you know me, we just had our first baby, baby Olivia. And she's absolutely amazing. Um, She's just turned eight months old and we absolutely love her, love her, love her. But having a baby changes everything. And people always say, you know, did it teach you how much God loved you? Did it teach you uh, how amazing God is? And yes, it taught me all those things. But the biggest thing that I was confronted with in having and growing our family was my own selfishness and my need to reprioritize my life. Uh, Because having a baby changes everything. And uh, so I just want to share with you some thoughts that have helped me navigate having a baby. And I hope that these will challenge you and encourage you. Um, But the first thing I really, I learned uh, is to prioritize family. And this this became uh, the number one thing that I learned in the area of family is you have to prioritize. We had a speaker named Mark Stevens speak at our, uh, one of our Beaver County breakfasts. And he was in the service for a very long time, and he said it's easier for men to be deployed when they're, they're fathers of young kids because they can just hang up and then go back to doing what they were doing. They don't have the responsibility of watching a child 24 hours a day. And, uh, and, that, and that blew my mind, and that really challenged me because I can see how easy it is to want to focus on your career, your hobbies, and just kind of um, depart from the response, this new responsibility added to your life. Um, but the challenge is, hey, is our, are we going to put our family first or not? And so I think that's what I was really challenged with this year. And so here's some thoughts that are helping shape my priorities and my values in the area of parenting. Um, Dan Dupee said this. He said, never give away your influence as a parent. Never. I don't want someone else raising my kids. I want to raise my kids. So I'm going to prioritize them. Barbara Bush, former first lady, she said this. She said, if you have children, they must come first. You must hug and love them. Your success as a family, our success as a society does not depend on what happens in the White House, but in your house. That's a great quote just for for even this month. Andy Stanley said this. He said, the most important thing you do may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Hey, if you're a mom or dad out there, the most significant thing you ever do with your life may be one of your kids that you're, you're not spending time with today or maybe that you did spend time with. You have to prioritize your family. My pastor, Pastor John Nuzzo, said this. He said, the greatest regret you'll ever have is not being present when your kids were little. I I, I think about that all the time because when I want to check out or when I want to go focus on work or go want to do what I want to do, I remember, hey, in 20 years, if I don't stay present with my kids, it's going to be my greatest regret. That's challenged me all year. Kenneth Hagin said this. I love this. He said, don't let something as menial as ministry take your family. Now, it could be ministry. It could be work. But when you really think about the things that we want to go do, um, it's, it's menial things, right? We want to go build our ministry. We want to grow our business. But is any of that as important as our family? No. Don't let something as menial as anything else take your family. Chris Camp said this. He said, don't think your family can survive on autopilot. I just love that. And then specifically, these are just some practical things that really helped me. Um, T.D. Jake said this in, in a conference that I went to last year. He said, um, listen, in life, you're, you have all kinds of things that you're responsible for, right? You have businesses, you have family outings, you have, um, you have to date your spouse, all these different things. He said, as a result of that, there's going to be things that you miss every single day. There's going to be things that you miss every single day. You're going to miss a business outing. You're going to miss a family outing. You're going to miss something. He said, don't make a pattern of missing the same thing every day for a consistent period of time, right? Make sure that you're hitting all of your bases. If if you've gone a month and haven't done anything with your spouse, you should probably prioritize that. If you're going a few weeks and you haven't spent great quality time with your kids or even a week, like you need to get on that. 
I love this. Greg Weimer said this when it comes to prioritizing. He said, your children don't miss you at 5 a.m., but they do at 6 p.m. So, hey, when do I focus on L3 stuff? I get up at 4 a.m. every day. Why? Because I have stuff to do, and I want to make sure that my nighttime is focused on my kids and my family and not my work. So I just want to encourage you, the biggest things that I've learned in this area practically are just to schedule everything. Schedule nights in. Hey, from this time to this time, my phone is off and I'm with the family. Um, This time to this time, I'm with my spouse. This time to this time, I'm working on L3 leadership. This time to this time, I'm at work. Literally, schedule everything. What gets scheduled gets done. Prioritize your family. It's the most important priority you'll ever have outside of God. Number two, the second area that I learned the most about was confidence. And, and, and confidence is just something always I've had to grow in. Um, I have a lot of insecurities. I, I've hid behind a lot of masks in the past, and that's something I'm always trying to grow past. So a few thoughts on, on insecurities uh, just that I liked. Um, you can waste opportunities because of your insecurity. I love that. If you're insecure, you can miss out on opportunities. Um, when you don't confront lies, callings are not fulfilled. I love that. If you don't confront the lies of insecurities, you may not fulfill your calling. Um, pastor John, my pastor said this, and it really stuck with me. He said, never find happiness in other people's heads. I just love that. Never find happiness in other people's heads. Those are just some, some real basic thoughts, but here's some principles that will help you um, grow more confident. Number one is reflect on why you're not confident. Reflect on why you're not confident. You know, did someone say something to you as a child? Did you get fired um, out of nowhere and and you don't think that you're significant? Um, Did your parents call you worthless? You know, why did you get made fun of in school? Did you get bullied? Figure out why you're not confident. And then, and then do something with that. You know, a book that I really would encourage you to live or read, I'm sorry, uh, along these lines is called Changes That Heal by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's the best book that, I, that I've read that really helped me confront some of these things of why I'm not confident. And um, just read it and it'll help you grow. But you need to know why you're not confident so you can actually grow past those reasons. The second thought when it comes to building confidence um, was this, it, build your own legacy. And uh, this was actually my theme from the year. Last year, in the beginning of the year, um, I saw Creed, the movie Creed, which is about Apollo, Rocky, and Apollo Creed's son, and Rocky becomes a mentor. And uh, not to, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but at the end of the movie, um, this was my favorite scene, I actually cried. Um, at the end of the, the movie, um, Apollo, Apollo Creed's son, I think his name was just, I forget his name, they called him Creed. He got a letter from his mom before he was go, out, about to go out to a big fight. And, and basically the whole movie is about him trying to live in his father's shadow. And he always had to live up to who Apollo Creed was. And, and he never really had his own identity. And his mom wrote him a note and he got this letter right before he went out to this big fight. And it, he just opened it and it said, Son, build your own legacy. Love mom. And man, I'm, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. I'm, I'm a sensitive guy. But man, build your own legacy. And, and for me, you know, so much of my insecurity is based on what will this person to think or, or I wish I was more like this person or, or and all these different things. And, and over and over again in 2016, I really just felt like God was saying, Doug, build your own legacy. Build your own legacy. Like my call for your life is different than other people's calling. Be secure in what I've called you to do. My pastor, John Newzone, again, I'm going to quote him a lot. I went through a leadership academy with him. If you go to Victory Family Church, I really encourage you to plug in with the leadership academy. It was definitely the most influential program um, that I went through last year. But he said this. He said, don't find security in following others' ministry. Do your ministry. Have confidence in living your own calling. 
And, and that's exactly what I've really learned uh, this year is really just to be confident in who I am and what I'm called to do and in my giftings. The third thing to grow in confidence, I would say, is find out what God put in you. I love this. T.D. Jake said, I'm in an endless pursuit to discover everything that God put in me. And, and I've taken that on as a motto in my life. Hey, for the rest of my life, I want to find out everything God put in me. I know that God's put things in me that I don't even know are there. There's gifts and talents in me that, that God's just waiting to use if I'll just keep growing in him. I want to find out what he put in me, and, and I'm going to do that. And as you find out what he put in you, you become more and more confident with who you are and what you can do. You'll grow in confidence when you find out what he put in you. Next thing I learned when it comes to confidence is, is it's not about me. It's not about me. And over and over and over again, I would just felt like God would speak to my heart. I would start complaining. I would start griping, and I would just hear in my heart, it's not about you. And I found that this, that there's great freedom in self-forgetfulness. You know, one reason so many people are so insecure is because all they think about is themselves and how, how everything impacts them. Forget about yourself and just focus on serving others. It's not about you. And then the last thing that helped me grow when it comes to confidence is, is just this thought that I'm making a bigger difference than I think I am. I'm making a bigger difference than I think I am. Oswald Chambers said this. I read this in a devotional, My Utmost First Highs. It said, God rarely allows a soul to see how great a blessing he is. I love that. God rarely allows a soul to see how great a blessing he is. And rarely do we get to see how big of an impact we're making. And you know, sometimes I want to sit and sit back and be like, wow, I wish I was making a bigger impact. But the reality is I have no idea the impact I'm making. And if I'll just keep being faithful with what's in my hand, then, then hey, I'm going to make the impact that God created me to make. Um, and then along those lines as well, I, I found myself in a lot of rooms that I didn't feel like I should be in. I didn't feel qualified to. And over and over again, I just felt like God kept speaking to my heart. Hey, you're in the room for a reason. I put this in you. I put you in this room. I opened this door for you. I connected you with these people. Don't think that is a coincidence. I put you in the room for a reason. And um, yeah, stop doubting yourself. If God opens up a door, walk through it boldly and confidently because he opened the door for you and he gave you what you need to walk through that. You belong in the room. Growing confidence. The third category that I learned a lot about was calling slash dream. I learned a lot about calling slash dream. A few thoughts when it comes to your calling and dream uh, that I learned in 2016 is one is make sure it's God. Make sure whatever you're doing is God. One, because I would just say God has a, a bigger plan for your life than you do. And, and you could come up with a million plans in a million lifetimes. It would never compare to the one plan that God has planned for you. And here's what I love. Pastor John said this in the Leader, Leader Academy. He said, when what you do matters to God, you have a partner. When what you do matters to you, you have a problem. How's that for a slap in the face? When what you do matters to God, you have a partner. But when what you do matters to you, you have a problem. Denny Patton said this. He said, don't ask God to open doors of opportunity. Ask him to close all doors except for the ones that you should go through. And that was really challenging to me. Isn't that, it don't, isn't that something we all do? God, open up doors for me, open up doors. And then all of a sudden, hey, there's 30 doors open. It's like, okay, which one am I supposed to go through? Now I started praying very specifically, okay, God, I only want to walk through the doors that you've called me to walk through. And then this is just challenging. I just want to throw this out there. I love this quote. I got it from Doug Bradbury who spoke at one of our breakfasts. He said, may all of your plans be frustrated, your hopes thwarted, desires withered to nothing, so that you may know poverty, powerlessness, and the sing and dance in the love of God. And all that's saying is, hey, die to yourself. 
and then fall in love with God and fall in love with his plan for your life and stop focusing on your own stuff. Just focus on what he's called you to do. You'll be big. You'll be okay. The second thought when it comes to calling slash dream is to dream big and go for it. And this has been a consistent theme uh, in my life since I was 17. My father-in-law would consistently tell me this, Doug, dream big and go for it. So it's always stuck with me. But some thoughts when it comes to dreaming big that I got in 2016. Uh, One, Tozer said this. He said, God's looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we only plan things that we can do by ourselves. Mm. I'm repeating all these because I need it. God is only looking for people. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity when we can only plan things we can do on on our own. Mm, That is good. Tommy Barnett said this. He said, dreams often come in a size too big so we can grow into them. Again, if if you're not accomplishing everything you see in your heart, don't worry. You're growing into the person that can accomplish those things. And then someone said this. I forget the guy's name. It said, when people hear your vision, they should see the largeness of your God. I just love those thoughts when it comes to dream. The third thought on dreaming is remember who you rely on. Remember who you rely on. Um, some significant things that, that were said um, throughout, uh, throughout 2016. Uh, I, I was in a prayer circle with two great pastors in Pittsburgh. And they based, both, both have been used by God significantly for the past 30 years. And um, they both prayed this prayer very, and I thought it was so significant. They just said, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And I thought that was so significant because here was two men um, that, hey, if my journey looks anything like theirs did, uh, when I'm in my 70s and 80s, I'll be okay with what God did in and through me. And at the end of this, all all the ways that God's used them, they're saying, God, I just need you every hour. And and for me, no matter what God's done in and through me, uh, I have to remember who I rely on. And I have to remember that really, I need him every single hour of every single day. Liz Gilbert said this, she said, grace can take you places hustling can't. And we, and we live in a culture today that's, that's only telling you to hustle. And they're, for, they're leaving God out of it. If you hustle, then you'll be able to do X, Y, Z. But what I love about this quote is, listen, yeah, but with God, God and grace can take you places that hustling can't. And that is an absolute fact. And then in the book, Spiritual Leadership, it was talking about Joseph's journey. It said, Joseph learned that progress only occurs when God orchestrates it orchestrates it. He understood that self-promotion can never replace divine promotion. And again, when it comes to dream big and go for it, I never want to get ahead of God. And then the last thing when it comes to dreaming is don't quit. Don't quit. And Brian Houston said this. He said, nevertheless, I persevered because I believe God called me. And when you want to give up, just remember, hey, do you feel like God called you? Did he call you? Then if he did, don't give up. Just keep going. The fourth area in the category that I learned the most about was business. Three thoughts when it comes to business. Number one is think big. Think big. And I've just been getting challenged. This was more towards the end of the year. But think big. Some thoughts along this. Number one, what would 10Xing this look like? What a great question. What would 10Xing this look like? Hey, with L3 leadership, what if this was 10 times the size? What if we had 10 times the members we had? What if we had 10 times the attendance? What would it need to look like? And just being able to think at that level has been helping me so much. Uh, Someone said this. They said, if you have a 10-year plan to do something, you should ask, why can't I do this in six months? That's been challenging me. A lot of times it's like, oh, I can't do this for over the next five years. Well, you might be able to accomplish it in six months if you really work smart and hard. And Craig Rochelle said this, he said, be bold, tweaks never change the world. 
be bold, tweets never change the world. And then Greg Weimer just said about his life, he said, average didn't seem interesting. And I just love that as a motto. The second thing I learned about business is decide whether or not you're for real. And I shared this in the last episode of the podcast that I spoke at, but uh, I had a leader really challenge me. He said, hey, you have to get to a point with L3 leadership where you have to decide if you're for real or if it's just for fun. And uh, that's a question that challenged me. But when it comes to business, are you for real or is it just for fun? Because here's what someone said. They said, likes, Facebook likes, don't pay bills. Sales do. Bam. Likes don't pay bills. Sales do. And, uh, And then someone said the number one struggle for companies is they don't charge enough. So at the end of the day, are you for real about your business? And then lastly, about business, just help people. And this is really my heart. A few thoughts when it comes to helping people with business. Number one, the fastest way to become a billionaire is to help a billion people, right? So just add value to people every day. Uh, Think if you add value to a billion people, I think you'll be all right in life. There's an article that I'd encourage you to read called 1,000 True Fans, and the concept is very simple. It's just this. It's success is not complicated. Just start with making 1,000 people very happy. And then Pastor John said this when it comes to helping people. He said, people being used the most by God, equip people, resource them, and really want no credit for that. And I just love that. If you want a successful business, help people. The fifth category was leadership. Over and over again, this this shouldn't be surprising, but the biggest thing I learned about leadership was that leadership matters. I love it. Bill Heibel said this in the, the Leadership Summit. He said, leadership matters. It matters so much, it scares me. And one day I'm going to talk to God. This was Bill Highboys. He said, I'm going to ask God, God, why did your mission come down to the effectiveness of leaders? And then he went on to say, I don't see a better investment than investing in leaders. And that's why we're doing L3 Leadership. I don't see a better investment than investing in leaders. And that's all I want to do because I believe leadership matters. The book Spiritual Leadership, which I highly recommend, it just over and over again emphasizes don't Take lightly your call to leadership. And if you feel called to leadership, don't take that lightly. It matters. The second thing I learned about leadership was the leadership stinks sometimes. Leadership stinks sometimes. It's just the reality. And a leader said this to me when it comes to challenging times. Um, I was going through a few leadership challenges and they looked at me and they smiled and they said, Doug, this is going to be a really great experience for you. And they said it with a smile on their face and I just wanted to punch them, right? Because it's like, yeah, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. But hey, at the end of the day, it could be a really great experience because I'm going to have to grow through it. There's going to be things that you don't want to do as a leader that you don't want to grow through. But I'm telling you, it's necessary and it's necessary for your growth. And then lastly, when it comes to leadership, leadership requires followership. Leadership requires followership. Matt Chandler said this. He said, every good young leader should at least spend 10 years making their boss look good. Dang. Every good young leader should spend at least 10 years making your boss look good. And uh, Scott Stevens, who spoke at a breakfast, said submission isn't sexy. And my question isn't who are you leading? My question is who are you following and how good of a follower are you being? Because I can tell you that you'll only be as good of a leader as you are a follower. And so what areas in your life are you being a great follower? It matters. The sixth category that I learned a lot about was dealing with people. And this was really challenging for me. Now, I'm good with people, but but there are some areas that I need to grow in, which I'll explain. <clears throat> some thoughts. <clears throat> One, this would just come to, to delegation. So I'm not... I may be good with people relationally, but I'm not good at delegating and I'm not good at asking people to do things. And the reality is, if you want me to be honest with you, it's because I'm insecure and I don't think people want to help me. 
But this is an area I'm growing in. And let me tell you some thoughts when it came to this that really are helping me grow. Pastor John said this. He said, there are people designed by God to help you fulfill your calling. That's helpful. Hey, it's different. If people are called to help me, let's go, baby. Like, hey, that's really helped me. Some other thoughts. Your leadership impact will be determined by your the people you empower. Eagles don't flock. You have to find one at a time. Again, don't we want great people around us, but we just hope that we can throw out a, a social media post and they'll come. No, you got to recruit them one at a time. Failure to delegate is poor stewardship of the human resources God provided. Again, these are just thoughts that challenge me. How can young leaders grow unless delegated to? When I think about how I grew, I grew because leaders delegated to me and they gave me things that I didn't think that I could do on my own. And, and how am I going to help other people grow if I don't give them tasks and, and empowerment? John Maxwell said this. He said, leaders who develop leaders ask for great commitment. Ask people to step up and equate them with sacrifice. The more you develop yourself as a leader and invest in people, the greater pool of people you'll have to choose from. Mm, that's good stuff. I keep going. Mm, I have no idea why. <laughs> Someone said this. They said, never say someone's no for them. You know, sometimes I think, well, why would this person help me? They're, they're way more qualified to do anything than I am. Uh, why would they want to be on my team? But hey, why would I say no for them? Never say someone's no for them. And then lastly, Jay Passivan said this. He said, you don't have enough energy to focus on those leaving and those coming. So focus on those coming. Again, hey, there may be people that you delegated to that came to your team that didn't really work out and, and they're moving on and, and you just want to spend time and try to bring them back. What did Jay Passman say? Hey, you don't have the energy to focus on those leaving and coming. Focus on those coming. And so that really helped me too. It's just like, okay, hey, some people are going to be with me a short amount of time. Some people are going to be with me a long amount of time. I'm just going to focus on the ones that are with me right now and those coming along. Uh, The second thing I learned about dealing with people is that people need to know and deserve to know where they stand. Always be honest. And um, probably the best best feedback I got on this was Clint Hurdle. If you didn't get to listen to the interview with Clint Hurdle, I encourage you to go back and listen to that on the L3 Leadership Podcast. Off the top of my head, I don't remember what episode. I want to say it was episode 123. It was somewhere around there. But um, here's some thoughts when it comes to being honest with people. And, and again, I'll just um, – yeah, some thoughts I'll share with you. The worst thing that I can do for someone as a leader is not let them know where they stand and not let them know where they need to be. It's the worst thing I can do for someone. Craig Rochelle said this. He said, it's cruel and unusual punishment for people not to know where, where how they are doing. Andy Toll said this. He's a, the basketball coach at Robert Morris. And he said he sits down with all of your players and said, we will always let you know where you stand. And any of you can walk in anytime and ask where you are and we'll tell you. I don't want to waste people's time. In my personality, uh, I'm a high eye on the disc profile. I'm a people pleaser by nature. And I had a, a mentor always tell me, he said, if, if you're a people pleaser by nature, you're, you're a liar. And you'll lie to people because you want to make them happy. And I wanted to say, like, that's not true. But it is true. I'll avoid being honest with people because I think it'll make them happy. When the reality is, if I'll be honest with people, they may be mad and, 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 uh, and disappointed on the front end. But in the back end, they're going to be happy. And so this is something I've really had to learn. I have to be honest with people. And John Maxwell said, if you need people, then you can't lead people. And all too often in my leadership, I've needed people more than I've led people. And so that's an area um, that I've grown in. And then the last thought uh, when it comes to dealing with people is value everyone. You never know who God will use to accomplish your mission. Some thoughts that I wrote down in my journal, don't rule people out. 
Perhaps the very person you need to go where God wants you to go is the exact opposite of what you'd have in mind. Someone said this in spiritual leadership. It's dangerous when you start viewing people as interruptions. Jesus worked through interruptions. And then someone else said, don't be fooled by the packages people come in. Be blessed with some unlikely leaders. Value everyone. You never know who God will use to accomplish your mission. Category number seven was money. And money is something that's always in our lives and always important, right? But uh, specifically some things that I got challenged with. Number one is greed is a big deal and it must be dealt with. Tim Keller said this, he said, Jesus taught about greed more than sex, and yet nobody thinks they're guilty of it. Proverbs 23 verse 4 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Proverbs 28 22 says, greedy people try to get rich, but don't realize they are headed for poverty. And my pastor, Pastor John, said, never, ever, 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 sell out for money. Focus on your purpose. And man, I thought that was so good. Greed's a big deal. And again, nobody thinks they're guilty of it. And I just want to encourage you because I've had to look inside me. Man, there's times if I'm honest with you that I am pursuing money. If I do this, this, and this, then I can make this much. And and I just, God had to remind me over and over again. Remember why you started. You didn't start it to make money. You started to make a difference. Just make a difference. I'll take care of the money. Just focus on your purpose. Don't get greedy. We, we haven't done this yet, so I'm not going to say that with integrity that we do, but this is something I think that is interesting and may do in the future. I think John Wesley did this. He, he, you set a standard of living and give away the rest. You want to talk about a way to kill greed? Set a standard of living. Hey, we're only going to live with on this amount of money. Everything else we're going to give away. That'll deal with your greed pretty quickly. The second thing I learned about money is to recognize what money is not. And, and that's what, this is something Clint Hurdle said that I loved. He said, I have a deeper appreciation for what money isn't than for what it is. And I thought that was, there was so much wisdom in that. He's had money and now he has money, but he's lived without money. And basically you just realize it's not what you think it'll be. It'll never fulfill you. You might be able to drive a nicer car or have a nicer house or eat nicer meals, but, and go nicer places. Outside of that, it will not make you happy and it won't change anything. To recognize what money's not. John Rosso said this. He said, this was interesting. Most people are not money motivated. They are lack of money motivated. Uh, He said, it doesn't take much to get to $100,000 a year. Um, But I just thought that was interesting. You know, we're not motivated in saying like, man, I need to make a million dollars. We're motivated by having a lack of money. Like I need to get here. I need to get here. I need to get here. Because if I don't, then I'm going to end up in a homeless shelter, right? And so we get money, we get lack of money motivated. I just thought that was an interesting thought. And then the last thought I, when it comes to money is just realize what money is. It's a tool to help other people. And I'm, I'm so grateful I have a pastor at my church that, that realizes this. And he, my pastor said that God spoke to him a long time ago in ministry and said, don't ever talk to me about money. If you knew how much I love people, you'd never think about money. I didn't die for money. I died for people. And I just love that thought. It just really challenges me. Man, if you're focused on people and the mission of God and you're making a difference, the money will flow through to you. And and all the money is is a resource to help add value to people. That's all money is. And then the last category that I learned a lot about was enjoying life. Simply enjoying life. My favorite quote when it comes to enjoying life from the year was that Jeff Leake, who spoke at our breakfast, he said, sometimes you just need to stop and smell the Starbucks. Amen to that, Jeff. Sometimes you just need to smell... Stop and smell the Starbucks. 
In the book Spiritual Leadership, it said, Often the pressures we feel from, come from assuming tasks that God has not assigned. For such tasks, a leader cannot expect God to supply extra strength. And that just challenged me because am I focused on anything that I shouldn't be focused on? And, and if I'm really tired and I'm not able to work out and I'm not able to rest, what, what is in my life that I'm so busy? Uh, you know, I remember one of my favorite pastors saying in a message, he said, uh, he said that God dealt with him and spoke to us. He said, I'll just say his name, Keith. He said, Keith, if you don't have plenty of time to do what I called you to do, you are wasting time. And he encouraged him in his heart. He said, go through everything that you're doing in your life right now and say, when did God tell me to do that? And if you can't come up with a specific day and time, you probably should evaluate if you should even be doing it. And I think that's a great exercise for all of us. Again, I'll just read that quote one more time. Often the pressure we feel comes from assuming tasks that God has not assigned. For such tasks, a leader cannot expect God to supply extra strength. And then the last slide says, if you don't rest you'll have rest forced on you. And I've seen that happen to a lot of leaders and I don't want that to happen to me. And so for me in my life, I'm just trying to schedule time to rest, to be present, to be with my family and to just enjoy life. And for my personality, that can be tough sometimes, but I'm, I'm committed to making that a priority in 2017. So there you have it. My top lessons learned in 2016. I hope they added value to your life. Uh, if you're still listening to this, extra bonus, my wife is going to be recording her top lessons learned in 2016 for her debut on the Healthy Leadership Podcast. So I'm so excited for that. But hey, I would love to listen to, to, to hear about your top lessons learned in 2016. So if you have them, feel free to email me at dougsmith at l3leadership.org. I would love to hear about what you're learning. Thank you so much for partnering with us. And I hope you have an awesome, awesome 2017. See ya. Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the top lessons that I learned in 2016. I hope it added value to your life. I actually have all of my notes available at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 130, and you can get everything that you need there. Again, I want to encourage you, if you want to get involved and take your growth to the next level, get involved with L3 Leadership this year. Uh, sign up for our email list. You'll stay up to date with all the events coming up and mastermind groups that are available. And you'll also get a free copy of my ebook, Making the Most of Mentoring, which is my step-by-step -step process for getting meetings with leaders. Again, I want to encourage you, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It makes a difference. And as always, I like to close with a quote. Today's quote is from Henry Cloud. And he said this, he said, in terms of your goals, you don't have to reach them today, but you do have to do something that will get you to them. And I just want to encourage you do something every day to help you get to your goals every single day, day in, day out, and you'll accomplish more than you ever thought you would. Thanks for listening and being part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you next time. Oh,